Cloning through the central banking. We're signing Nick Mulvaney. Okay. I can't stay. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Monday, January 11th, hashtag full squad to start the week right. I'm J.E. Skeets rolling this morning with Mr. What You Need to Know Himself, Tass Mellis. Well, it's good to be back on the big show. Hey, Tassie. We got the Bass Master, ripping them lips, Trey Kirby. Ayo! Ayo! The international man of mystery taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friend! Mmm! Last but not least, making the magic happen, is JD. Hello! There he is. And here we are, shout out to the stream team. Make sure you guys like and comment and subscribe to No Dunks on YouTube. We eclipsed 24,000 subs on Sunday. The goal was 25K. Oh, so close. But let's just do it today. Let's just do it today. Why not? Right. Why not on a Monday? Make it happen, people. If you listen to the podcast, highly recommend you got to check out No Dunks YouTube because we had the return of Lee's very solid plays on Friday. That video is up. Two thumbs up. (laughs) <laughs> the best ratio in the business, Lee. At one point, Lee, you had 1,000 likes on the VSP and zero dislikes. It's incredible ratio. And uh, yeah, so if you are listening to this podcast, we are now going to include in the episode description a link right there for you. Click it. It'll take you to No Dunks YouTube channel and hit subscribe. That's one click, baby. Well, I guess it's sort of two clicks. You got to click the link and then you got to subscribe, but close enough. So, Lee, it must be great to have VSP back in your lives and our lives. It's amazing. So much fun just to bring back those plays, you know, because people do just get sick of dunks all the time. They want to see good ball <laughs> movement. They want to see pump fake parties. They want the boomerangs. They want the passport plays. And what was really good this weekend, already I've compiled probably 10 very solid play candidates Whoa! for this week already. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh so boy. Uh, it's great. I've been getting tips on uh, on uh, Twitter as well when a great play goes down. So might bring shout-outs into the mix. I'm not sure yet. Still oh, working oh on the format. Goodness. Oh, boy. We got to oh, cancel God. it. We got to cancel it. I'm throwing some <laughs> thumbs down on that. I'm throwing some <laughs> thumbs down early. Yeah, uh, by the-, the way, by the way, I will say, you mentioned the likes there, right? I ended up with two like two dislikes, right? Mm, sorry. Now, now, listen, <laughs> one was mine. Yeah, okay, that's fine. I can ride one, but yeah, listen, petty dislikes are the weakest dislikes you can possibly have out there. Right. If you don't like the video, make it a genuine dislike. Don't make a petty dislike, because after you sent out that tweet yesterday, there, Skeetsy, I retweeted it. Yeah. Within seconds, someone else disliked it. That's a petty dislike for me. Get out of here with that. Genuine dislikes or likes only, nothing else, okay? I mean... That's, that's all I just want to say. It's a little bit of a uh, announcement I'd like to make. I can handle a dislike. I'm not anti-dislike. <laughs> genuine dislikes. Genuine, honest dislikes, okay? Right. So you, okay. Can't, you can't dislike the video because 1,300 people have liked it and then, oh, well, I better dislike it. Precisely, precisely. Get out of here with that. Or man up and say who you are, okay? Just say <laughs> I dislike it, okay? okay? That's all. That's Excellent. all. Okay, excellent. Uh, well, go watch that. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and it was like, what, two and a half minutes? But it sounds like it's going to be about 15 <laughs> minutes this Friday, GD. So get ready for that. Um, right. Email us your questions and comments for this week's Beach Steppin' Podcast. We'll be stepping on the beach later this week. Uh, email them at nodunksattheathletic.com or you can leave a comment in the YouTube section. You can tweet at us at no, dun- at no Dunks Inc. as well. Go grab yourself some fire No Dunks merch. 
at nodunks.com. Immaculate items always available. And uh, New Year's same great sports writing is still available at the Athletic subscription. Go to theathletic.com slash nodunks where you can sign up for $3.99 a month. That is like nothing. A cup of coffee, really. If we're, Single if we're cup. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. So theathletic.com slash nodunks, that lets them know that we sent you there. And if you haven't got an athletic subscription, you really should. It's fantastic. Not only for the writing, you got the podcast as well. And the NBA shows are amazing. Forget no dunks. You got the athletic NBA show, House of Stress, and all that. So go check that out. All right. We're going to get to NBA weekend winners and losers, as we always do on a Monday. But first, guys, rough couple of days for the league when it comes to coronavirus-affected players and then the contact, tracing, quarantines, and all this stuff going on. The Sixers and Celtics were nearly unable to meet the requirements of playing with eight available players this weekend because of players quarantined due to positive tests and contact tracing. And then we had the Heat, who just had seven eligible players. We're going to be taking on the Celtics, who, by the way, we're going to just have eight, but that game got postponed because you got to have a minimum of eight. So... It's our second postponement of the year. Now, we have a bunch of other players, too. I mean, Bradley Beal, um, because of contact tracing issues, and Avery Bradley, and Maxi Kleber, and obviously Jason Tatum with the Celtics. I mean, it goes on and on. It sort of was a pretty wild weekend. The NBA task says, no plans to pause the season. They've just come out and said that. They said, we were ready for this to happen. It's happening. We're going to soldier through. And, uh, you know, outside of postponing some games, we're not, we're not taking a two-week hiatus here to see if the virus goes away what should the nba do in your opinion are they doing the right thing i guess is another way to ask it like they have to do this to try and get through the season or should they be doing something else or what are they doing wrong what do you think well once they decided hey we're having an nba season they understood that this was going to happen i mean that was the first thing if they didn't want any of this to happen then they could have just decided to eat $500 billion or whatever the money, the dollar figure is. But in this instance, um, I just find it really difficult to try and track and trace myself (laughs) because uh, there's rules for people who contract the virus. You're out for 10 to 14 days. Jason Tatum is the biggest name player who's contracted the virus. You're out 10 to 14 days. But the the tracing procedures of the other guys, there's so many guys, there's multiple guys I wouldn't be surprised if all 30 teams have had somebody get sit due to contact tracing. It's probably, it's not that high, but it's those procedures aren't revealed to the media. Like for instance, on Friday, uh, Jonas Valanciunas was playing in a basketball game. He was playing for the Grizzlies. He was pulled one minute left in the second quarter uh, against the Nets. He didn't test positive. So what did the team learn midway through the game that he came into contact with? I, I mean, I, I have no idea. Was it something they should have known prior to the game? Uh, so there's, it just doesn't stop the contract, the contact tracing and the web, uh, it, it does not stop. It seems like they're being pretty vigilant about things. Yeah. Um, but what can they do? I don't know. It, they haven't, they haven't really spelled out all everything that they do behind the scenes. So I think that's the sort of, that's kind of the cloak, uh, over what's going on to, to try and understand. You can't really wrap your head around it other than to know that, oh, Michael Porter's out 10 to 14 days. Uh, and he was out seven days before that. So he might be out 21 days, but he never contracted or he didn't contract the virus. Uh, so it's just what's going on. Uh, so you don't really know what, well, what, what the heck is happening. Yeah. One of the confusing parts that I find about the whole thing is, uh, I guess how the NBA is defining close contact, right? Uh, and I, and I assume they're following the guides of the CDC, right? Which defines close contact as being within six feet of each other 
of a COVID positive person for at least 15 minutes. Okay, so that's their guidelines. That sort of makes sense. But then that oddly, in my opinion, doesn't include playing basketball, Trey, right? Like, because last I checked, it is a, you know, it's a semi-contact sport and you are around the guys when you're out there on the floor. But a player who tests positive, you know, are not being identified as being in close contact with opponents. And again, we've had examples of this. I mean, Curry played, Seth Curry played in a game against uh, um, the Wizards. And then we had Tatum, of course, playing in a game also against the Wizards. But then Beal was forced to miss a game because he comes and, you know, bros down with his, his buddy and they're talking after the game. So they're in close contact. But a bunch of other people are playing in that game and they don't. That's where I'm confused about the whole thing. I don't know what your take is. It's confusing because it's a confusing way to do things. But if you're saying we're not going back in the bubble, which is what the NBA's governors, the NBA's players, Adam Silver all agreed. They said, we don't want to do a bubble again. Once you say we're not doing a bubble, you kind of got to throw out the social distancing during a game because like you're saying, you're smashing into each other for 48 minutes. We all know it takes longer than 48 minutes to play a basketball game, despite it being (laughs) the fastest of the four major sports. You're bumping into each other. You're next to each other for three hours. So they basically got to say, yeah, this is uh, like we had ghost stats in the bubble. This is ghost COVID basically amongst the teams, because if they're not going to be counting the basketball playing, then it's it's going to be confusing for everybody. But it feels like we're heading for a postponed season, even if it's only going to be for a couple of weeks. Right now, they're saying we're pushing through no matter what, because when players came back to training camp, they had higher percentages of positive tests than they do through the season right Mm -hmm. now. Basically, the league is saying if we let these guys go play, they're going to be contracting COVID anyway, so we might as well make some money. The only thing they can do is increase the size of rosters to have players at the ready once a, a team like the Celtics has to sit so many people down. Uh, they just have to have players ready to go. It's very weird. Um, it's incredibly hard to follow. It's incredibly hard to see how the league can go from being in a bubble and being the way that a sports league comes back and has a successful COVID plan. That doesn't seem to be the case, though the league is saying that this is kind of what they expected, and Mm -hmm. it's not dissimilar to the NFL or to MLB, right? The Cleveland Browns just made it back to the playoffs for the first time in forever, and they couldn't have their head coach there. That's that's how things have been happening in every other sports league. The NBA did it in a bubble to finish the playoffs last season, and it was awesome. Coming into this season, we knew things were going to be different, and like we're seeing three weeks into the league, totally different. Yeah, the big part, big difference, I guess, with those other leagues, right, is uh, just the the size of your your team. You're, like the NBA just has less guys than a, than an MLB roster, less guys, of course, than an NFL roster. And uh, I keep thinking how beneficial it would have been to have the G League bubble actually up and running, sort of at the start of the season, to do what you were talking about there, Trey, to then expand your roster in case of emergency. Well, that'd be cool if you had your G League team in a bubble you know, in theory, safe, that you could then pull guys, and I know there would be travel issues still in play, but a lot a lot safer, at least, than just having guys scattered all over the place, like, hey, we need that guy now. Uh, it may have made it a little bit easier to build a roster to have a minimum of eight guys. And here's a the difference then, or probably, it's like, I know Sixers fans are like going, well, why did why was our game not, you know, uh, postponed? We had, we had eight guys, I throw that in air quotes, because Mike Scott, they had to literally dress, even though Doc Rivers said he's not even playing because he's injured, so we had seven guys. So why is that game going on? And then if we turn around and see the Heat Celtics in a similar situation, that one gets postponed. That is 
that's a bit of a problem. It feels a little willy-nilly of like, uh, well, this game goes or it doesn't. I don't know. What do, what do you think about that? They have a right to be upset about that. Well, I think the NBA obviously just wants to plow through as many games as possible. And if that means that you do have to dress someone, even though he's not going to play, just to get the game done, that's what they want to do because they don't want a backlog of games to have to be played. But I really wonder what is it going to take before we do get potentially a suspension or a postponement because you know a lot of these guys who have got it, they recover fairly quickly so no one has any sort of lasting long lasting impact but what happens if someone does have to go to hospital and is in you know the ICU for a few days or or, or longer or something like that is that when the NBA pulls the plug because clearly it's about uh, money I mean you know they need the games on TV they need to make money they lost so much money from last season and then the late start for this season so they want to just get the games out there and play as many of them as possible before it comes to a sort of point of no return, I think. So uh, it, it's definitely a concern. Uh, you're seeing so many teams have somebody infected um, that at, at what point is it going to be where they say, listen, maybe we just close this down for the next three weeks, a month. Who knows? Who knows if that will even have a, uh, if that will even fix the problem? Because, you know, while COVID is still completely out of control in this country, uh, until the until the government has any sort of handle on it, we're going to probably come back and be in that same situation of like mm-hmm. it's a day by day, case by case situation. So uh, it, it's definitely um, it's definitely sort of weird watching the league at the moment because you're sort of seeing these games and, and situations unfolding, you know, minute by minute. We're just like, oh, this guy has been in t- contact with somebody, so he has to be away from the team now. They're seeing who he was in contact as well to see who else could potentially be infected and uh, and 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 or affected by it. So it, it, it's, it's very, very weird. But I, I think we are, one thing I will say, I think we're definitely going to see just more and more cancellations and postponements of games, of individual games. Um, and, and again, at what point does the league say, okay, we need to probably, we need to probably stop this for the next, next three or four weeks and get a handle on it? Because um, otherwise, we, it could just be a, a season where you have some teams playing, you know, potentially five or six games, maybe even more than some of the other teams uh, like the Celtics and the Heat, who are, who are I mean, the Celtics Heat. It's only the second game that has been uh, postponed, but it just feels like we're on the brink of a few more happening. Yeah, we will wait and find out. Yeah, the Hawks and Sixers are supposed to play tonight. I mean, right now, uh, talking to each other, that game is on. As far as we're concerned, uh, Heat and Sixers are going to play tomorrow night. Again, in theory, <laughs> Celtics are supposed to play the Bulls coming up here. I think on Tuesday nights, in theory. We'll, we'll see if those games actually go through because, yeah, you get to the point where you need the bodies to play a basketball game. Mm. And Doc Rivers made an interesting point, too, you know, especially in the Sixers instance where they don't have a lot of guys. So now you're forced to play these rookies. I know we're going to get them a little bit later in the show, but you're forced to play all these rookies heavy, heavy minutes. Well, what type of toll is that going to have on some of these players, too? We're like, they're just forced into playing 40 minutes a game. And suddenly you have, you know, back-to-back games. You've got four and six nights. Well, wow. What type of, you know... Where and tear does that do to uh, to the player and and our injury is gonna like skyrocket here when we have fewer guys that are just playing heavier minutes um we'll see we'll just see and hope for the best but it's it is it's weird right now like the standings are weird the game results are weird Tass, you said it's like near impossible trying to keep track of like yeah who has tested positive who's just out for contact tracing then how long is it gonna be oh they come back early are they what well, I mean it's very confusing. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to track that. I wouldn't no. want to have a spreadsheet on that. It's it it is, uh, it's convoluted, and especially when you see the news report. It, usually, you'd say, "Oh, a guy sitting out, he probably has COVID." But most of the guys, a high high percentage of the guys who have sat out games, do not have COVID. It's just because of contact tracing. They're, right. The, it's a very low percentage of guys who actually uh, have the virus. And 
they did expand the rosters to have 17 guys this season at like 15 active and seven plus their two two uh um two way guys who you know usually go down to the g league so they expanded it ever so slightly uh but yeah it's it's teetering on on a number of these games as, as what happened with the the sixers and the nuggets uh, yeah, a bubble would solve everything, and that's the um, and that's the issue with going forward. If if it's this bad several months from now, when the playoffs are supposed to start in May, hopefully things you know have have changed by then. But do they just throw up a bubble for the playoffs? Is mm. is my question. I think that's possible, but yeah, hopefully. Months and months and months from now, things would have changed in this country. Let's hope. Let's hope. And the world. Well, I mean, there's there's a lot happening. <laughs> all right. Let's get to NBA weekend and winners and losers. And we'll start with winners uh, this Monday. So, Trey, why don't you get us started? What's your uh, your big NBA weekend winner? Big winner of the weekend, the Charlotte Hornets. And in particular, LaMelo Ball, who might have us bringing back the mellow drop mm. 22 12 and 11 assists in a win against the hawks on saturday nine of 13 from the field three of five from three the most minutes of his career and the big news the youngest player to ever record a triple double uh passing markel fultz now Re- oscar robertson did have a triple double in his very first game the game has changed but mellow Looked great for the Hornets on Saturday. He had a sick highlight, a lefty look-away pass for a bucket underneath uh, the hoop. He, I loved his post-game interview. They asked him, how did you get so good at rebounding? You know we love to track this rebounding stuff around here on No Dunks. Melo just said, I played a lot of 21 growing up. I love it. He's playing against other future NBA players. He's playing against the legendary one-on-one guy in LeVar Ball. Of course, you got to be able to board a little bit. Uh but it wasn't just Saturday, because Friday, the Hornets got a win as well. Uh, and Melo was an assist shy of his first triple-double in that win against the Pelicans on Friday. He struggled to shoot from the field in that one. Four for 11, one of five from three. And it definitely feels like LaMelo's going to struggle to score efficiently. Even the good shots he's taking when he's in the lane, when he's getting these little floaters. He's got space, but he's shooting it off like one leg as high as possible. It never looks like the same shot time and time again. He hit a three against the Hawks where he took a shot and then he kind of hopped forward a couple of times as the ball was still in the air. It went in, he did the three to the head and I was like, wow, okay. I didn't <laughs> like that they're calling this guy mellow, but he's mellow right now. He's figuring it out. Devonte Graham still hasn't cracked 40% from the field in a game. So to me right now, it's kind of a matter of how much longer until a mellow ball is starting for the Hornets. They look great when he's on the court. He pushes the pace. He's a real nice mix with Miles Bridges. Unfortunately for the Hornets, if they wanted to play their optimum lineups, they're running out a center and power forward who are 6'6 and 6'7. That's probably not sustainable for a team like the Hornets, but fun watching over the weekend. Terry Rozier, a huge dunk. Gordon Hayward has been good. Terry Rozier, like I said, has been good as well. So mm-hmm. go check out some LaMelo highlights. That was awesome. It's good to see him uh, figuring it out a little bit here. Yeah, and they're coming in victories too. The Hornets are 5-5, yeah. five and five, just like every other, every second team in the league right now. <laughs> just classic 500. Even Steven, that is what this season's all about. But he, he's he's... He has uh, shut up the doubters, even like me. The more you watch him play, it's, uh, yeah, you're like, okay. Uh, I was probably wrong with him. I was not as high on him as obviously some were, thinking he should be the number one pick. But he's he's played really, really impressively. And if he, if he gives you three threes a game or something like that, if he hit two out of every five or three out of every five, 
then you're then you're laughing. I don't care how ugly the shot. <laughs> well, I mean, if he shoots looks. forty to sixty percent from three, well, the right, guy's gonna right. win MVP, no doubt about it. You know, but, you know, a couple of game is what I'm saying. Maybe not two for five. Sure. Yeah, like two for eight. I do. I do love that he is six eight though, and you can tell it when he's throwing these passes on the fast break. He's throwing passes over guards' heads. Yeah. He's just like whipping them right over their head. And I thought that quote was hilarious. I played a lot of twenty one growing up myself. I was more of a thirty two man. We didn't shoot the free throws, which is why I still hate free throws to this day, Lee. But uh, it's great to hear a throwback from an NBA player saying, yeah, I played 21. Good stuff. I guess that was not too long ago for LaMelo either, right? Like, he has been playing professionally for a while right now. I don't know if you play tip 21 with a bunch of Lithuanians. (laughs) But he was in high school not too long ago playing with Leangelo and Lonzo. Well, you know, playing playing with men, though, down in Australia, in the Australian League, and he was racking up a couple of triple-doubles down there. And, and when we spoke to Liam, Tass and I spoke to Liam Santamaria, who followed him, he said he's ready to play against men in the NBA. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's always some skepticism, of course, and there should be with a player who goes and plays in a lower league and a lesser, uh, you know, a lower standard of league. But he has come off the bench, accepted his role very well. And, and as Trey mentioned there, I think surely James Borrego has got to be like, We've got to get this guy in the starting lineup. You know, you can deal with the fact that he's not a great shooter because he's a playmaker, he's a defender, he rebounds, and he gets that ball moving in transition, which is really what the Hornets need. They look better when he's on the court, I think. I, I definitely think that ball moves better, and it sets up for guys like Gordon Hayward, who, you know, he likes to get to his spots and get those shots. So uh, very, very good signs here from the Charlotte Hornets. They're playing well, they're winning, and, and it looks like they have got a keeper there in Lamelo. Yeah, he's probably helped out too with all this rebounding by having to be the younger brother his entire life. Like, hey, if I want to get the ball, I gotta go totally. out box, you know, uh, my two bigger bros, and gotta put some effort in on that end, or I'm never gonna see the ball. So uh, that probably works out in his favor too. Wait, what are you, you're impressed with Lamelo Ball, I assume, Tess? The season couldn't have started any better for the Hornets. It's absolutely perfect. You get him at the the three spot in the draft, and. Although James Wiseman, Anthony Edwards have played well in front of him, LaMelo Ball still has the most star potential, and he's coming off the bench, and he's still bringing all this chatter about the Hornets. The Buzz City is buzzing. Look at us. We're talking about Charlotte for extended periods of time. Did we do that last year at all? I don't think so. And it's because of LaMelo Ball. It really is. Coming off the bench, it can only get better. I do like the fact that James Borrego has given him a role, made him earn his minutes to start uh, this season. And I think it it's also started perfectly because this buzz in Buzz City, it, it's all about the highlights. It's all about, hey, come watch LaMelo Ball and what he can do on the floor and the way he can pass. And it's not about the fact that he has one for five nights uh, like he did uh, on Friday. It's about um, just the, you know, the, the stat line when it comes down to it. He can board. Uh, he's he is shooting, even though I said he's one for five and that kind of goes under the radar. He is shooting an acceptable and OK three point percentage for our expectations. Anyways, mm-hmm. to be above 30 percent is a good start uh, for him because down in Australia, he wasn't near anywhere near that from the three point land. So I, I think this role is helping him. And the fact that LeVar Ball hasn't come out and, and pulled a, a Marvin Bagley Jr. Marvin Bagley dad move and said, hey, what the heck is going on with my son? Get him in the starting lineup. That's a huge win for Charlotte to right. start. He's, he's being pretty quiet. Uh, but the buzz is in Buzz City, baby. It's uh, it's a fun team to watch. And yeah, they're 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 talked about. And that's what it really comes down to. And uh, LaMelo, man, he's, he is he's a joy because he's got the vision. And uh, yeah, he goes he gets after it hard and he can play D too. So him him versus Lonzo was fun. And it's going to be, I'm sure LaVar's already put it up up there on the mantle that LeBron was once the the youngest triple double guy and yeah it went through Luca went through Markel but then it went through his two sons too they both mm-hmm. held the 
the title for a bit. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think Lavar was already talking about talking up about getting Lonzo to the Hornets to play with Lamelo. <laughs> so that's how great it's going for the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah. The opposite of what you're saying, Tess. Yeah, like the worry is like, oh, Lavar's gonna be like, get him out of Charlotte, get him out of Charlotte. Instead, he's saying, no, get my other son to Charlotte so we can win a championship together. That's yeah, good. He's been Lavar's been humbled a little bit throughout the the last few years. A, sure, little, a little bit, bit. With, with you know how big baller brand became little baller brand, but you know things are. Uh, Things are looking good for the Ball family. Leangelo Ball is going to play in the G League bubble, which is starting uh, next next month. Although I don't like the the Mello Lamelo thing. I, I I'd rather not have him be named the same a similar name to uh, Carmelo Anthony. You know, like until Mello, Carmelo's out of the league, maybe. And then, yeah, then you're are we going to call Lamelo Mello like Trey said? Mm. Is, uh, I don't know. It's IG. Mm. He got that four-letter IG that handle. Yep. That's big, Wee-wee. man. And Zoe, Zoe is just Zoe on IG, too, I think. So, yeah, so, so see you later, Lonzo yeah. Mourning. must yeah. know somebody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I'll say, too, final thing on the Mellow Ball is uh, I'm impressed for a guy that like throws all these highlight passes because he loves to throw a noob. He doesn't turn the ball over all that much for a guy that is in love with an amazing assist. So it's he, he knows it's there, and he's confident in his ability to pass, like you said, Trey. Uh, it helps that he's the size he is. He can pass over a lot of guys. Man, he loves to pass. Too, which is fun. So he is, he has proven me wrong so far. You know, through the first three weeks here, I I had lower expectations for him right out of the gate, at least. He's a he's a fun watch. I got to get something off my chest. Nothing drives me crazier than sending a message to a group chat and getting no response. That's why I'm a big emoji responder. Love a hang loose hand or a salute, but man, it hurts when you send a message and get nothing back. Ouch. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. Designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks. This episode of NoDunks is brought to you by BetterHelp. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for those warm summer days. Pool season's coming soon, so I've been hitting the weights with Peloton and my guy Adrian Williams trying to get my muscle on in order to expand my cannonball splash radius. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. It's easy to personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. And their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Shout out to Adriana Aditi, Andy, and Emma. I love you all so much. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, 
Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. All right, who, who do you got, uh, Tass, for a winner of the weekend? Well, Nikola Jokic uh, could do something which has never been done before in the NBA. He could be the first center to average 10 assists per game. Talk about passing. Uh, this guy in double digits assists right now, 10 and a half assists per game. The Nuggets went 2-0 and over the weekend. They became another one of those teams that's 5-5. Five and five. The standings don't matter. Uh, but the, the, the fact that Nikola Jokic didn't have to do a lot of scoring uh, was nice. He could, he could just relax because he's an MVP candidate because he's doing scoring and he's doing the assisting. He had 12 helpers in one game and then five in the next. I mean, this guy is, uh, he, he's been propelled into the MVP chats partly because of other guys not playing um, to their capabilities, but also because he is absolutely showing it all off. And I think we can all start to appreciate what he's doing. He's definitely the best passing big man in NBA history. I know that that's a, a bit of a, an asterisk, but I wouldn't put him as the best passer ever in NBA history. That's I'm not putting that title on him, but to be the best passing big man in NBA history, that's a freaking great title to, to pass Arvita Sabonis or, or, or Bill Walton or whoever. Uh, and nobody's done 10 assists per game. Do I truly, in my heart of hearts, believe he's going to have 10 assists per game? Probably not. Um, but... If he keeps being featured on the VSP plays of the week, the very solid plays of the week, you should check out on YouTube. Then <laughs> maybe he will. Maybe he will. Uh, he, he's he's just he's ridiculous, and he's he's he is. I, I think the the Nuggets are looking for a guy to handle the ball a little bit more, to take more of the burden off Jokic's shoulders. But it's fun for us uh, because he's he's absolutely getting ridiculous assists and he earns most of them too they're not just mm-hmm. crappy poopy pass uh you know dribble 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 oh you got an assist the assists are awesome uh, unfortunately um lamello ball doesn't have the assist chops that Jokic does quite yet i'm saying Jokic is a better passer than lamello ball i'll say oh, that wow. uh, but it's it's a blast it's a blast watching a couple of great questions on the stream team ziggy starfox says the disrespect to brad miller and i just have to 100 <laughs> percent agree great a passer. forebear to nikola Jokic. he had one pass the backdoor pass that got through 50 percent of the time but a good question from greg stapleton he says that Jokic is the best passer in the league right now right now hmm that's more debatable. Yeah, I, I think LeBron's a better passer. Maybe I'm giving LeBron uh, the title just because he's so freaking good. But when a guy does it on the move a little bit more, he earns some more points to me. And Jokic is quite stationary. I mean, he's amazing. I, what are we we're picking? You know, we're splitting hairs here. But I think the fact that LeBron is, you know, he does it. He does it for 47 feet. He does it all the way through the midcourt while he's moving. I think Jokic is a better passer. Yeah. I mean, you mean LeBron. LeBron. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Jokic makes passes that no one else in the league makes. Totally. Like even LeBron, right? Just because of where he operates and the size of him and the touch he has, like that, that sort of water ball. polo yeah. handball, yeah, vibe. I mean, no one does that. Yeah. Um, that's, I mean, do you give credit to LeBron too? Because he's done it for basically two decades now too. Uh, obviously a lot longer than Jokic. Uh, who cares? If you pick Jokic, <laughs> LeBron, somebody else, they're both incredible. Chris Lee, who Ball, are you taking? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's it's one of those two, but they are different passes. If there's such yeah. a thing, it can be different passes because we still see LeBron make those cross-court little, sort of no-look passes where he finds some guy in the corner. 
which is incredible. Jokic does something kind of different though from that. He's kind of looking on one side of the court and then he does does that like almost tennis ball toss to a guy mm-hmm. coming in or he does that feathery little bounce pass inside to a guy cutting and and the and the what those ones where you know you, you when you watch Jokic and it's like I didn't even see that guy. How did he see him? And he just finds some guy cutting underneath. So you know what Wayne Gretzky said, you know, I don't I don't uh, skate where the puck is, I skate where it's going to be. Well, guys, no, run to the spot because Jokic is going to find you, you know, yeah. whereas LeBron's more just like, if you're there, he'll he'll drill it to you in the corner. So oh, yeah, but he, does, he, he makes passes that nobody else does too. LeBron. Uh, LeBron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he just that had Jokic one this does. weekend where he threw like a left-handed yeah. laser oh, like God, on the yeah. floor. I mean, that was gorgeous. a Jokic pass. I was like, yeah. this guy's been in the league for 19 years and he's still yeah. learning new things from other players. Right. Incredible yeah. stuff. But this was all a test, guys. Just making sure you weren't underrating LeBron's passing. No, that's right. That's <laughs> How right. dare yeah. you? It's crazy. <laughs> if you were to make a poll, though, if we were to throw a Twitter poll up, who's the best passer in the league today? We're going to put Jokic on it. We're going to put LeBron, it. LeBron on it. We have two more options to, to throw up there. We're not doing the, the classic other. Give me your answer. Yeah, just throws the whole poll out of you know, whack. Who would you put, Lee? Who are the Chris other Paul. two passers? Definitely Chris Paul is one of them. Okay. Yeah. I'm um, not going to argue that. That fourth one, I think Harden's in the mix. I think Luca's in the mix. I think Marc mm. Gasol. Marc Gasol doesn't really... Yeah, he just doesn't play it as much anymore. Yeah, I know where you're going with that. Yeah, That's yeah, a, yeah, a stretch. Yeah. Um, Oh yeah, I, I don't know. I, who what else? Lamelo. Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe. maybe. Curry. Curry. Yeah, Steph, Steph Curry. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Do you go? Ah, Harden, Luca. I like those. Mm, let's hear from you guys in the stream team. Who's the, yeah. Who's that fourth person? I'm sure they got some suggestions that we're that we're forgetting as well. All right. So Jokic, a winner of the weekend. He's. Uh, I, I'm with you, Tess. I actually think he's going to do it. I think he's going to to do the 10 assists. Um, I, it's very possible he's, of course, going to lead the league in assists, which the whole thing with Will Chamberlain, he did lead the league in total assists one year. I'm not sure he led it in assists per game. Somebody have to fact check me on that. It's like the late 60s or something, right? That was Yeah, that was that season where he decided he was going to do it because people said Yeah, I know he had like 8 yeah. point... Uh, I know he had 7.8 and then he had like 8.6, I think. But yeah. I feel like he didn't lead, lead the league in assists per game, but he led it in total assists. Uh, it's a weird little one, I think. Uh, somebody check that Leading the reference. league in, in total assists is not leading the league in assists. Well, then, there, then, then, then honestly, fact check me. So can, you, can we say Wilt led the league in assists one year? Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. It says he, uh, he, he did not lead the league in assists per game. Well, then so did he, he did... lead the league in assists? No. Yeah. That's what I'm well, saying. that's what everybody tells me. <laughs> no. Total assists? Are you kidding me? No. I'm telling you, Taz. I'm agreeing with you, man. But are, am I wrong in saying People that say everybody it, yeah. always says, Will Warner led the league in assists? Technically, they're right. But technically, they're wrong. <laughs> Techn- technically, get out of here. Right. Hey, what's the well, point? I, I mean, there's... Yeah. So if a guy... If, if LeBron misses 10 games, but he's averaging 40 points per game... And somebody passes him because they're averaging 35, but they played the entire season. No, get out of here. All right. All right. Who, so who led it, Lee, Lee that year? Bob Cousy? Yeah, oh, probably. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> uh, let's keep it going here. Uh, these always are a long podcast on Monday. That's uh, half my fault. Uh, Lee, what do you got? For well, I found, a, I found a team that isn't 5-5, five and five, and it's the 5-4 and four Oklahoma City Thunder. <laughs> nice. nice. Uh, what an incredible five-game road trip they just completed. Went 4-1. and one. Uh, beat some good teams, the Magic. They lost there to the Heat. They beat the Pelicans. And then they did the New York double, the Knicks and the Brooklyn Nets. Now, you know, might say, well, it's the Knicks, but the Knicks obviously this season have been playing well. And then last night, their most convincing win over the Brooklyn Nets, uh, down early, down 15 points early, came back, kind of blew this game out in the end. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that two things. 
The Nets' defense is absolutely atrocious. Uh, and Shai Gil- Shea Gilgis-Alexander, uh, who, who's that bet you guys have? Is it Andrew? It's not Andrew Wiggins, is it? No, it's it's Shea. It's Shea versus who, though? Who's uh, No, it's just Will Shea be an all-star. Oh, okay, right, 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 right. Yeah. I, thought it was, I thought it was Will Shea or someone else. I couldn't figure it out. No, I I've got Shea Gilgis-Alexander being yeah. an all-star either this year or next season, and Trey says, no way, it's too early. That's the bet. Yeah. Well, I mean, if he keeps up his play of recent weeks, uh, then I think it is going to be Gilgis Alexander because he's been fantastic for the Thunder during this stretch. Uh, just, again, they're, they're like they were last season. I think teams overlook them. Teams probably think this team isn't very good, but they just play so well together. Uh, and, and defensively, they just... I mean, again, how much of this is on the nets? They're missing Kyrie Irving, of course. Kevin Durant was back. He looked incredible. Again, uh, there's actually some... Uh, the Brooklyn Nets put up a few clips of Darius Baisley guarding Kevin Durant last night. It was just atrocious. In fact, if I'm Steve Nash, at some point you might just say, you four guys just play defense. Kevin, you can go and get a 60 or 70 points if you want because he could have done that so e- so easily last night. But really, the star here for the net, uh, for the uh, for the Thunder is Gilgis Alexander's play. Uh, just a very, very impressive performance across the board. And if you look at his last three games alone... 21, 25, and 10, and then 31 and 6 there last night. I mean, uh, fantastic performance by him. He's been incredible. And, I mean, are the Thunder, are they are they for real? Are they punching a little bit above their weight right now? Or is this just the sort of team that, again, maybe other teams are overlooking a little bit? I think it's more that they are just a very good team, well-balanced, well-coached, uh, got some good depth. Diallo off the bench last night had a very good performance for them. Al Horford. A very, very solid veteran for them defensively. And, of course, he spreads the floor. So lots of good signs there for Oklahoma City. And uh, for, for a season where, again, we thought a little bit like last season, like they're probably going to tank it, but they go mm-hmm. out and play hard. Yeah, we thought this would be the one team, right, in the Western Conference that may be like, eh, we don't really need to win games this year. Where everybody else we talked about, you know, the Wolves and the Kings and all those teams uh, near the bottom, they're like going for it. The Suns obviously won again and stuff like that. Uh, heading into the season, I mean, eh, OKC, do they really care that much? They could probably, uh, you know, like that top draft pick, but they're great. They, I mean, their defense is good. They're, they're, they're a top 10, I believe, defense right now in the league. Offense has struggled, but Shea, baby, Lee, I mean, uh, Trey, are you worried at all? Worried at all that no. the, the Thunder will have the record? That's all it comes down to, No, right? no. He still plays in the Western Conference. Yeah. That's the thing to me. He plays in the Western Conference. If it was in the East, you'd be sitting pretty skeets, but if you're the Nets... You got to be a little bit more physical. These guys cannot guard the perimeter at all. They go underneath every screen. It gives a guard like Shea Gilgis-Alexander a huge runway before they're even encountering a big. It feels like the perimeter players uh, that the Nets are going against feel them 0%. So it's so easy for a guy like Shea to get inside, to get in the lane, a guy like Hamadou Diallo to get a whole bunch of open shots. The Nets got crushed in the paint against the Thunder. And I don't think it was a factor of DeAndre Jordan and Jared Allen are just not good defenders. I think it's more like there are so many shot attempts coming inside mm-hmm. the lane. There are so many uh, penetrations by the guards of their opponents that it's almost impossible to stop. Got to get some toughness out there. They need a tough guy. I don't really think that the Nets have a tough guy. They've got a whole bunch of players, but they don't have an enforcer or just a gritty stopper. Bruce Brown's supposed to be that guy, but he hasn't yet. Maybe he needs to play some more, but they got to get a little bit more physicality. Yeah, and then they give up a billion second chance points as well because they, Morris, yeah. they just they, they just can't board either. They're pretty uh, low in the league in terms of defensive rebounding. But Shea Gilgis-Alexander is a blast to watch just his transformation from mere months ago in the bubble. He looked like a shy boy out there. Like, he just didn't want to play. I mean, he, 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 he just he wasn't confident, and now he is. 
he's a leader on a basketball team. When the mm-hmm. the talk was coming into this season, oh, Shea Gilgis Alexander has been given the reins. I thought I mean, a few months ago, like playing under Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder, he just didn't look good in that spotlight for the first time, and then poof, the spotlight hit, and he has he's embraced it, and he is. Uh, I don't know what happened in those couple months off, uh, but man, it looks great. My uh, winner of the weekend, I'm going to give it to the Warriors because they had uh, you know two wins over the weekend. Every win counts here. Friday night, Curry led the Warriors back from a 22-point deficit in the second half uh, against the Clippers. Steph put on a show. Go check the highlights. Scored 38 points, hit nine threes, uh, 11 assists in 36 minutes. He sparked this massive second-half run. Um, so that was a huge win for the Dubs. And then on Sunday... They win the game, but with Curry having the worst shooting night of his career. Uh, he shot 2 of 16. Shout out to uh, Fred Van Vliet and the other three Raptors all guarding Curry at the same time. Uh, <laughs> let the other guys try and beat them. And they did. So they got the 106-105 victory. Now you had Damian Lee. He converted the tying and go-ahead free throws with like three seconds left after... Uh, well, he, uh, he sold, for sure, some contact from Lowry. Um, at first, they thought it was a shooting foul, but then they looked at it and said, oh, Lowry actually hit him before the shooting foul and bonus, and he hits the free throws. Nice sell job by him, though, and he knocked him down. And then Siakam missed a spinning jumper at the buzzer, uh, which Draymond did some early work defensively. Then Wiggins put in the work, uh, you know, staying in front of Siakam, put him into a tough shot, and that one fell short. So Curry, though, 2-16, of 16 and the Warriors win which is pretty incredible. Um, and Taz, I know on what you need to know, you threw out the idea, I mean, the Raptors lose another one. They, they had the nice win earlier in the weekend over the Kings. They came back from a big deficit in that one too and put up a ton of points. Siakam has got it going here, at least in terms of scoring, comes up short with the buzzer-beating attempt. But you're throwing out, look, the Raptors are what, 2-7 and seven now. The, the schedule ain't getting easier. It's only going to get a little more difficult. They've had some games they obviously should have won in terms of their opponents. Would the Raptors look to move Kyle Lowry? You threw it out there. The possibility of, uh, hey, moving on from uh, the greatest Raptor of all time, the Groat. Would Masai Ujiri do that? Uh, (laughs) You you truly believe it could be in play, though? It's totally up to Kyle Lowry. If he says, I want to go, then Masai has the obligation to send him because he has been the, the best Raptor of all time. Yeah, and he helped bring that title to Toronto. So if he wants to go, he's turning 35 here. Um, in, in two months, if he decides, listen, I'm not even playing at home this year anyways. I'm playing in Tampa Bay. Maybe uh, uh, maybe I can go play somewhere else for a few months and try and you know lead a team that is a little bit closer uh, to a championship. Then, yeah, I, 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 I don't think the Raps are winning it. I, I, I think that Kyle knows that. But if he wants to be comfortable the last couple of years, they're going to give him a contract past this year and, uh, and do it. But Masai Ujiri could capitalize on the fact that Lowry's still balling, and, and this is his last year of his contract. But yeah, to see a legacy contract the other way wouldn't be surprising either. I don't think I don't think Masai just says, uh, "Man, I'm a cutthroat GM. I'm doing it." I think he has a conversation with Kyle Lowry, especially with what with what happened after Demar, and uh, and this is a different situation too. Uh, so than the Demar situation, like they are, they've already got the title, and. and um, yeah, so I think it could go either way. I think it's really up to Kyle and what he wants to do for the rest of his career. What do you think, Lee? Will the Raptors potentially look to move like a Kyle Lowry or, or other pieces on this team after this really abysmal start, even though you got some Raptors fans say, hey, 
let's look at the positives from the weekend. You know, some uh, some guys got it going again, especially Siakam. Um, and there's some moral victories in the mix there. Or do you not buy that? <laughs> uh, not really. No. I mean, it's such a tough question because. Masai Jiri did trade away DeMar DeRozan tells me that he wouldn't be afraid to trade away Kyle Lowry as well. It's just what is Kyle's value right now? You know, he's still a very good player, but he's a little bit old. He's in his 30s here. Uh, He takes a big contract. So if you're going to get something in return, would it cost you perhaps one of your younger players as well? You know, I don't don't think he's going to trade Siakam. I think he stays there, but I think Norm Powell's in play. I think Norm Powell's uh, inconsistency is uh, probably frustrating a lot of the front office and the coaching staff, and we I know it frustrates the fans out there. So if you are going to get some really good value back for Kyle, I think you probably have to uh, attach some sort of other asset along as well. Um, but, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with what Tass is saying there. I don't think Masai does it without sort of going to Kyle and saying, hey, listen, man, you want to just move on and go somewhere else and maybe try to pick up a title somewhere and we can move on as well and, and, and try to start... Uh, you know, the rebuild process again here, if you like, because I think Kyle and Masai have had a bit of a tenuous relationship in the past. And I, I don't think Masai would want to just trade him without him having some sort of awareness of, what, you know, where he's being traded to and what, what they're getting in return. So uh, not completely off the table, but um, I don't think it's going to happen. Though. I don't think <laughs> right. so. I, I think Lowry stays there because this is the final year of his contract, though, in Toronto. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think they could have a, uh, a, a an easier separation at the end of the season without having some sort of like, oh my God, I can't believe this guy traded me type of conversation. But who knows? Who knows? I, I got no problem with moral victories though. Pascal Siakam looks like somewhat like a, an all-star, all-NBA player again. He didn't for most of the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Last four games, he's looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. And that's not um, a sign that he's going to take over and win a championship. I'm not saying that whatsoever, but he looked abysmal in the bubble and, and to start this season. And now he's looking like himself. He's looking comfortable. And that was a pretty good freaking player they had last year. And again, is it a 1A I'm winning championship player? No, but that also leads me to believe that Lowry might say, all right, you know, this has been a fantastic run here in Toronto, but this is year 15 for that old man. Uh, you know, maybe he goes home to Philly and chills out at, at some point. Maybe he just says, maybe he pulls a Marcus Ole slash Serge Ibaka slash whatever he veteran usually does. I mean, it's just a handful of guys that play, uh, you know, until the end of the career with the, with the team that they played the majority of their career with. You know, he obviously didn't start with the Raps, but it feels like it, doesn't it? It feels like he's our, our oh, Raptor sure. boy since day one. Yeah, it was a weird Lowry game even on Sunday there, too. He was like non-existent for three quarters which you don't ever say about Kyle Lowry like you know he's playing (laughs) usually in a game he has an imprint on the game uh, even if he's not scoring a lot but then he exploded of course in the fourth quarter and nearly got them the victory he Um, had an imprint on Damian Lee's arm that fouled him to to lose the game unfortunately we had a lot of replays there late in that Warriors Raptors game Uh, I want to show some love to Andrew Wiggins defense though he had a, four blocks in this one. Again, like I said, did a great job staying in front of Siakam. I'm sure you weren't happy with that shot selection there, Lili. I know you want to see always a guy try and get to the rim, but I think he did a good job, Wiggins did, of like taking it away and uh, forcing Siakam into spinning backwards and <laughs> taking a jumper that almost went down. Before being Welcome honest. to the yeah. island, Mr. Skeets. Wiggins <laughs> Island is ready for oh, you. Yeah. Uh, this but, is but, my but, island, baby. He finished. You with left, four. man. You left. The you can't game. leave. I told you that. You can't yeah. leave. That's the problem. Tess. He finished with four blocks last night, and and again, that's when that's what frustrates me. It's like, why is it just those games randomly pop up? Like, why is his defense so inconsistent and sporadic at this stage of his career? He can be a good defender, an impact defender. But yeah, for that last play, 
Siakam in this game had a few more of those plays where he was going inside, doing that sort of herky-jerky, flippy-uppy move that he does there that's hard to defend. I would have much rather seen that than a fadeaway spin around from the free throw line. But again, if it goes in, it's like, ah, Siakam's back, you know? And we don't talk about Draymond's great defensive uh, uh, awareness on that last play. Instead, it's just like... Yeah, because Siakam offense. was not the first like option in that play. <laughs> exactly. Like, there, but there's it, like probably it, two or three other options. Yeah. It's good offense beats good defense. So that's what it comes down to. But uh, yeah, Siakam, Siakam looked last night anyway, I thought, better than he has for all. Against the Kings, I guess, was, uh, was also an improvement. But again, just keep going at that rim. You might get the foul. You might get the ball to go up. You might get a tip in as well. Who knows? Especially when you're a team... Struggling for wins like the Raptors. Yeah, well, they are. Are they the greatest two and seven team in NBA history? Let's talk about it. Um, you said you were in on to, on moral victories, Tass. I want to ask Trey if he's in on the Chicago Bulls moral victories from the weekend too. It's 2021. It's pure positivity, Skeets. Of course, I'm in on moral victories. I love moral victories. Now you got to play hard out there. You got to compete, and that's all that matters. Not the wins or the losses. The competition. <laughs> <laughs> because you, uh, I mean, you said they were going to win a game, the Bulls, this weekend against one of the LA teams. They nearly won both of them, uh, but came up short, unfortunately, to the Lakers and the Clippers. <laughs> Save it. Save it. Save it. Save it. We'll save it. We'll save it. Save it. Uh, all right. Any other? Well, I'll just throw some mini winners. Um, that Levine Kawhi Leonard showdown on Sunday was awesome. DeRozan, I thought was incredible on Saturday, taking over against the Wolves. Go watch the highlights. Guy just won them the game. And uh, we're thinking of DeRozan, by the way, going through some uh, you know uh, personal issues with his family right now. Zion Williamson had a nice dunk. I just wanted to throw it out there. It was a nice dunk. It was a nice highlight, I would even say. It wasn't a layup. It was, it was almost flying. on somebody. Yeah, he was flying. He was flying. It was really nice. And uh, what else did I have? That's basically it. Oh, the Jazz. I got to show oh, the yeah. Jazz fans some love. Because on Friday, they hit 25 threes in a win against the Bucks. But it was on Friday. What I tell you, don't do anything good on Friday. You'll never make it in the show, even though they just did. But then on Sunday, I got really worried. The Jazz were up 20 points on the Pistons. I'm like, oh, yeah. This is going to be a winner of the weekend for the Utah Jazz. They nearly blew that 20-point lead, but they held on in the end. So a mini winner of the weekend to Utah for getting it done. you, you got to come through on Sunday. If you're going to do something special on Friday, come through on Sunday. And they held on against, obviously, the lowly Detroit Pistons, but they got the victory, and that's all that matters. Okay, let's get to NBA weekend losers. Losers. Lee, who you got? Well, I'm staying very close to home here and going with the Atlanta Hawks. This season has gone from being very promising to uh, looking all of a sudden quite ugly out there. And it starts with their leader, Trey Young. Um, Trey Young has not hit a three-pointer in his last two games. In fact, he's only hit one in his last three. Now, he did pick up a little wrist injury on Saturday night against the uh, Hornets, but he's expected to play tonight. So it's not a significant one, but mainly Trey Young is pouting out there on the court. Uh, and I think this has to do with the article that came out from The Athletic saying how uh, John Collins kind of called out Trey Young. And I think Trey's response has kind of been like, all right, I'm not going to try as hard anymore. And and that's resulted in him playing badly, shooting badly, not getting to the free throw line. And his body language out on the court has been bad. He He looks like he's trying to send a message to whoever, his teammates, the coaches, to say, well, whose team is it? Is it mine or John Collins? Because... If it's not mine, then I'm not going to try hard. And and that's uh, that's not what you need from a guy who started off this season red hot. I mean, that first three or four games, it was kind of like, man, he could be in the MVP conversation. But instead, these last few games, he has been very, very ordinary. And and as I say, it, it's, it's the performance, it's the body language. Against the Hornets, he had 22 points combined in the two losses. You know, he only took 28 shots. He went seven for 28 from the field, missed all his threes, as I said, 
and only got to the free throw line eight times combined in those two games. So the Atlanta Hawks, are, and, and not only that, the Hawks, this, this is also a loser of the weekend. Bogdan Bogdanovich has like a some sort of fractured kneecap. So he's mm-hmm. going to be out for some time as well here. They're already missing a few other guys through injury. Gallinari's out or whatever. But those things don't really matter. Gallinari being out doesn't really matter because Trey Young is their star. John Collins is a star. They've got still some young talent on this roster, but they're not playing very hard. There's, there's, there's some issues within that locker room and Lloyd Pierce needs to figure them out pretty quickly because, as I say, they were looking very good to start the season. Uh, now they've dropped their last four in a row. They were four and one. And now they're four and five. Um, so there's some problems there in Atlanta and they got to sort those out pretty quickly. How quickly things change here in the NBA from a winner of the weekend to a loser of the weekend. The Hawks just like that. Are you are you worried as well, Trey? I'm worried a little bit that uh, Steve Nash is in Trey Young's head. S- Steve Nash said that that's not basketball. Talking about Trey Young's little move where he gets around somebody, then stops and takes a jumper. Somebody runs into the back of him and then Trey Young's at the free throw line through his first four games. I remember talking about Trey Young has more free throw attempts than the entire Toronto yep. Raptors team. He was putting up 14, 17, 15, 16 attempts. Since then, 4-4, four, four, he had a 15-attempt game. Nice. But then 3-5 and five again. He needs those easy points at the line to score efficiently because he's going to take some tough shots, no doubt about it. I don't know. Steve Nash said, that's not basketball. Trey Young is now playing differently. John Collins said, I need to get the ball more. Trey Young is now playing differently. Uh, it's it's bad vibes in Atlanta right now is all that it really feels like you got an injury taking place you got Danilo was already struggling to stay on the court Rondo Chris Dunn all these guys that the Hawks brought in to the point where people are saying do they have too many players they don't have enough players right now and their star is not playing like he usually does gotta snap out of it it's harder when there's pressure on you this is the first time the Hawks have had pressure in five seasons basically and they're wilting under it a little bit right now it's a long season you got to steal your mind. You got to steal your mind for what's coming because teams are not going to be surprised by the Hawks anymore. They know what's coming. They know they got to play hard. Now the Hawks have to do as well. In other injury news, my loser of the weekend, it's going to go to Wizard Center Thomas Bryant. He's done for the season due to a torn ACL, suffered on Saturday night. I don't know if you saw this one. Don't go watch it. It's, it's not pretty. Uh, it happened two minutes into the Wizards' loss to the Heat. And it looked bad at the time. MRI came back on Sunday confirming the bad news. He's done for the year. This guy is very young. He's 23. I assume he's going to bounce back. But he was having a, obviously, a career year, offensively at least. He was averaging 14 and 7. He was shooting ridiculous percentage 65% from the field, 43% from three. And here the Wizards are. What, fourth year in a row, is it? Like a. a a pretty important player, at least on their roster. I'm not saying Thomas Bryant is an all-star or all-NBA guy, but an important piece is out. <laughs> I mean, a long-term absence, as we, we know with the John Wall years there and stuff like that. So Robin Lopez, he's going to be starting. Mo Wagner's going to get a chance probably uh, back up minutes, see if he can stay on the floor because he just fouls everybody when he's out there. <laughs> we'll see what they can do. I mean, I know Wizards fans are maybe trying to talk themselves into like a best-case scenario is the Wizards are sacrificing offensive uh, talent in Thomas Bryant for maybe a little more defense in like a Robin Lopez or something like that. And maybe that balance helps them pick up some more victories. Maybe they get creative and, and your guy, uh, Tass uh, Hachimura, excuse me, goes small ball five or something. Maybe they get creative. I don't know if Brooks has that in him to do something like that, but another tough loss. And I, I feel bad for Brian again. He was having a he was having a really good offensive year. He's not an incredible defensive center. Um but no one plays defense on the Wizards. So it's, uh, and I wouldn't even say he's abysmal by any means. He's, he's probably one of their better defensive players. So this sucks 
for uh, the Wizards, who obviously are trying to get wins too. And Beal's out, and Westbrook sort of stinks right now, and it's not good. <laughs> no, not at all. And, and yeah, Westbrook is injured. He missed the last game. Beal, who knows when he'll come back after having that close conversation with Jason Tatum the day before Jason Tatum was was tested positive. Yeah, maybe Scott Brooks goes small like Nick Nurse did with the Raptors last night, said Aaron Baines, you are to the bench, my friend. Alex Len, you're to the bench. They're starting OG Ananobi at the five. Sure. I don't think it can get any worse. I, I love I love me some Robin Lopez. I love me some Lopez brothers. But, uh, you know, Robin Lopez isn't going to help their defense a lot. He's going to talk out there. He is going to box out his man 100% of the time, 1 billion percent of the time. Check those box out highlights for Robin Lopez. But uh, I don't. I, 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 this is one team that the standings have. Uh, I, I buy into their their start at two and eight. A lot of the teams are still in in shouting distance from the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this team at two and eight, with everything going on, with the way they guard, with getting incredible performances that have to come back to earth from Bradley Beal, uh, and, and with Russell Westbrook not finishing at the rim like he once upon a time used to, this is a terrible start for them. Very, very bad. What do you got, Lee, uh, Trey, excuse me, as a, a loser of the NBA weekend? Well, you touched on it a little bit, Skeets. It was a bad Sunday for the super fans. The Bears, the Bulls, both lost. Bears did not stand a chance after Javon Wims drops a wide-open TD in the end zone. And the Bulls, mm. they lost a heartbreaker to the Clippers a couple of nights after almost the same exact game against the Lakers. Let's rewind. Friday, Zach Levine, Tass, you mentioned it, mentioned it in what you need to know. The guy is balling right now. 38-5-6 against the Lakers, but with a chance to take the lead, four seconds left, takes a jumper from about 19 feet off the right wing, misses it. Sunday, Levine balling again, 45-7-7, 10 threes, hits a huge three to put the Bulls within one point with 17 seconds left, but with seven seconds remaining, Uh-oh. Zach Levine takes another jumper. It's hard to blame him for taking a jumper on a night when he's making 10 threes, but he airballed this one. Would have liked to have seen an 11th make. My pure positivity takeaways from the weekend, though. Levine balling, career highs across the board. He is unstoppable. He was cooking Kawhi Leonard in this game. But go to the rim, man. Just go to the rim at the end of, of a basketball game for mm-hmm. once. Uh, three times this week, Zach Levine has had clutch shots to take. Every time it's been the step-back jumper, which is... I guess more reliable. You're going to at least get the shot up most of the times, whereas he has had a propensity for turnovers when driving to the hoop at the end of the game. Another takeaway, I would say Patrick Williams. This guy is legit, man. He guarded LeBron on Friday as well as a rookie can't. Uh, LeBron said he has Kawhi-type hands. Of course, LeBron still had 28-7-7. Seven, and seven. It was a fadeaway fest. It looked like LeBronto again there. Then he was. Then they finally started throwing some double teams at him. He was dishing to wide-open things. It was like the perfect LeBron game. He put in minimal effort and straight-up dominated. Yeah. Patrick Williams against uh, Kawhi on Sunday. Kawhi's too quick for him. You saw that. You see that Patrick Williams is going to be better against uh, a bigger wing, but... He scored 17, two and two, played hard and skeets. I can't believe it. I'm in on moral victories now. You asked me about it. (laughs) The Bulls had three seasons of just losing and not competing. Now they're at least competing. They just got to figure out a way to win because it's tough to shake that off after three straight years. You saw it on Sunday, 22 turnovers, 22 second chance points against the Clippers. The worst turnover, Kobe White, who had a bunch of them. 13 assists, but a bunch of turnovers on Sunday. He, He runs a switch, gets... Lou Williams on him, and Lou Williams rips Kobe White. Like, I don't mind if Kawhi Leonard rips you at the top of the key. That guy should be ripping Kobe White at the top of the key, but when it's Lou Williams going the other way, it's a bummer. 
but they're still a young team. They're figuring out how to win. They went one-on-one -on -one against Portland and Sacramento. They leveled up to the LA teams and competed, but they still went 0-2. It's a bummer. The Bulls were 4-4. Four four. I was on top of the world. It felt like the finals again. <laughs> And they've lost all three since then, but they're playing hard. Moral victories, 2021. Who would have thought? Wow. That, that, that is important, though, I think, there for the Bulls, that they're not just getting blown out like they were last year. Where And that started the season, they were like that here. But instead, Billy Donovan has got them at least competing, get, staying in games. Now it's just like, okay, now you have to finish these games off. But you're going up against two teams with good finishers, you know, in the Clippers and the Lakers. And mm -hmm. I think that's what stands out here. But Zach Levine, you mentioned there, Trey, he's just on fire right now. Almost a 50-40-90 guy. He's just not quite there for all of them. But shooting with confidence and uh, leading that team. I just wonder, what do the Bulls do with him? Do they keep him? He's a young player still. Or do you look to sort of maybe trade him? Because I think you can get some decent value out of him. I think there'd be a lot of teams who would love Zach Levine right now. Because he's really showed, uh, you know, his game has improved so much. He's not the finished product, but uh, fire up the trade machine, my man. Well, I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm trying to get him to Portland. I, I, I'm. Yes, yeah, I why someone. do you want to get everybody to Portland? Because I just sort of feel Portland. This is almost like their last chance saloon. So I think they need another score out there to take a little bit of the heat off Dame and uh, CJ. But. Yeah, nice last chance to loon. I mean, he is uh, he's from Seattle. It's kind of close. Maybe he'll like it. Wait, hold yeah. on. What did you say? Last chance saloon? No. Well, I think I think with the Blazers, I just feel that 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 backcourt is kind of like No, no, but, but I'm actually I'm asking saying? about what you specifically yeah, said. Yeah, the last chance saloon. Yeah. What, is that a reference oh. from something? I'm not picking up. Oh, well, that's, you know, when it's like this is the never last time. This is you've never heard last chance saloon? Uh, no. I think it's from a cartoon, isn't it? From the old oh, Looney Tunes. That's what I'm asking. Yeah. I'm asking you to tell me. I can't believe you didn't watch the Looney Tunes back in the day, man. You're, you're a big TV watcher. I didn't know it was called watcher. Last that's, Chance. Uh, wow. Uh, I just, uh, yeah, I just I just sort of feel Portland are sort of at some point going to have to do wow. something there, you know. Um, <laughs> and I think I think Levine, you know, I probably would prefer a bigger guy, but I think uh, as, as in a forward or a power forward, yeah. but I think... Uh, I think Levine could work on that team if you have three. Well, legit you want some scorers. defense on the Blazers too. I mean, you're not getting yeah. that in Zach Levine. Well, no, no, no. no. Um, he's not bad. He's not bad. Let's not, yeah, I mean, he's, he could improve. He could improve for sure. But he's, there's there's worse defenders out there. He's not a Jose Calderon by any means. Oh Let's, my uh, god, gee, shots fired. <laughs> Poor hands. Oh, Jose, awful. Ah. <laughs> God, Why are we awful. talking about Jose Colbert's <laughs> defense? <laughs> I got to mention this because uh, Trey mentioned you know playing up uh, Kawhi on Sunday. Plus, you talk defense, talking hands as well. Did you see this from the Los Angeles Clippers on their Twitter account? <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow! What trippy? Yeah, it is trippy. Uh, I actually, you know, I thought about it. and I'm like, is holding two water bottles all that impressive what we're looking at here but i don't know it's just Kawhi's hands i am well just absolutely... how they wrap around like, yeah, yeah the middle get... finger wrap is crazy yeah the middle finger it's getting a lot of coverage here <laughs> go to the clippers twitter account uh, and see Kawhi just handling these water bottles <laughs> nice. anything Kawhi hands i am enthralled i'm surprised there's not like, a huge Kawhi hands twitter account it's probably probably one that's like got 300 400 followers but it hasn't really exploded yet <laughs> right but but anytime like a photo of Kawhi's hands doing something shaking somebody's hand i guess boban's similar too right it feels like people just get excited all over again yeah like, absolutely wow. right i absolutely. remember absolutely you know what was bugging me there was at one point there was like photos of guys i forget who it was particularly um like drinking gatorade bottles and the gatorade bottle looked so small uh, yeah. in their hands 
But then we found out like the Gatorade bottle was smaller than a normal Gatorade bottle. Like then it's like, oh, okay, well, no wonder it looks so tiny because it is smaller. But anyway, yeah. um, all right, who uh, who we haven't got here? Oh, Tass, a loser of the weekend. Who you got? Well, they had a, a horrendous weekend. It was not uh, fun for them. Started Thursday against the Nets. Seth Curry sitting on the bench. He's he's not playing, but at the end of the first quarter, towards the end of the first quarter, he's told, hey. Uh, get to the back. You've contracted a positive coronavirus test. And then so Friday, because they're on the road in Brooklyn, the Sixers had to spend all day in their hotel getting tested. And uh, the only only time they were allowed to open that door was for room service or for getting their test done. So they left 11 p.m. that night uh, and then got to, uh, to Philly 1 a.m. that day and then had an early start uh, the next day against the Denver Nuggets when they played Seven guys, dressed eight, only played seven, playing guys by the name of Dakota Mathias, Isaiah <laughs> Joe. <laughs> Isaiah Joe, uh, he's going to be a player. And Tyrese Maxey, who was absolutely phenomenal, the rookie out of Kentucky, 21 pick, had 39 big ones, yeah. just thrust into the lineup there. Now, it wasn't just because of contact tracing with, with Seth Curry, but they're banged up as well. And that, that's the scary part. Doc Rivers said, actually, the injuries are are even worse because they are to their best players. Ben Simmons won't be playing against the Hawks on Monday because of a knee issue. Uh, but it seems like some of these guys are coming back from the, the contact tracing. Joel Embiid, probable on Monday. But they play five and seven games here. So it's uh, it, we, they go from a team that was 7-1, and one, best record in the league, to losing against a shorthanded Nets team on Thursday when they had most of their guys. Now they're not going to have Seth Curry for a while. They're not going to have Ben Simmons at least tonight. And... I think Tobias Harris and other guys are up in the air. So it's uh yeah, it was it wasn't a fun day on Friday. They all missed their their rest day and, and all that um sitting I guess they were resting, but they weren't getting their uh uh their their usual maintenance done to them. So yeah, a bad weekend for them and it's it's turned I, and I wonder when the heck these guys come back. The right. thing is Embiid misses one game but should be back tonight. You, you just got to check the report an hour before the game. Don't don't buy into it the day before. Things are always changing with these contact tracing reports. Uh, Brian Windhorst on his podcast, I was listening to it right before we jumped on here. He was uh, he was a little skeptical about the injuries to Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. He thought they were a little uh, the timing of those uh, issues were strange, and that they weren't playing in that game where they obviously were shorthanded already to begin with I'm, i don't think i'm putting words in brian windhorse's mouth but he was like well what they just played and then suddenly they're injured and why what's what's going on i i get yeah everybody was sort of skeptical of, yeah. and there's a lot of skepticism around that game but why is ben simmons not playing tonight if he's not injured? right fair uh, so fair. that's the weird thing yeah and kendra andrews has a great article on the the art of the athletic about denver and philly and whether or not they should have played at all. And she feels right. like they, they shouldn't have in the first place. And it sure seemed like Doc Rivers was in that mm. boat too. But you had enough bodies, so you went. Well, he sort of did. That's the strange thing. They kind of <laughs> had enough bodies, but they didn't have enough bodies. But Do you think Doc Rivers should be allowed to play in these games? <laughs> you might <laughs> as well. Yeah. Suit <laughs> up. Well. Give Why you a couple not? point guard minutes. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we got to take a, a break to hear from our sponsors. We will get to Tweet of the Night. But first, someone new to the mix here. All right, let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. JD, with a Monday Tweet of the Night. 
Yeah, weird, right? It's good because I have the whole weekend to find a tweet. But mm. uh, I did, I'm doing what I did last week, which was just take your suggestions, Skeets. Oh. Um, <laughs> as, we, uh, as we know, the Celtics heat game was postponed last mm-hmm. night. Um, but, you know, we worked in the biz. We're TV people at one time, and the show must go on. So mm. they went ahead with their pregame show, and uh, a host of the show, Abby Chin, over at uh, NBC Sports Boston, just uh, did what we usually do, hop on Twitter to promote the show, and here's the tweet. <laughs> we'll have Christ on the Celtics pregame <laughs> live at 6 tonight. Just a hilarious typo tweet, but, you know, I'm not a religious guy, but, uh, you know, Jesus Christ Superstar is my favorite uh, musical, but that's about it. Like, I'm not religious, but you're not tuning in for Christ. Can you imagine after 2000 years, (laughs) he finally shows up after the summer we've had, the year we've had Christ returns and he decides to return at the the pregame Celtic show on NBC Sports. I mean, first of all, that would be just hilarious. God yeah. has a sense of humor, A. But also, it would validate my career path that I find myself on. Like, this path that I'm on is is the right way to go. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> also, yeah, twice as funny because he would be returning for a pregame Celtic show where there is no Celtics game. <laughs> it's even actually preview. Yeah, can't you work some magic and get the game to happen <laughs> right. or something? Right. You know? like, put him on the spot. Right. Uh, and Abby did, of course, quickly correct herself yeah. saying, uh, sorry, it's not Christ. It's Chris Mannix of SI. <laughs> <laughs> Also a good get. Yeah, hey, yeah, hey, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, that's great. All right, I'm glad you went with that one, JD. Tweet of the night to Abby Chin. Okay, pick them results from Friday night. We're going all the way back to Friday, just quickly here. Uh, it was the Bulls-Lakers game. Lakers were favored by eight and a half. Uh, Trey, you talked me into it, my man. You said, hey, Bulls are going to keep this close. They may not win it, but they're going to keep this close. And they did. It was like a two-point game or something like that. So that's a victory for Trey and myself. Tass and Lee had the Lakers to win big, so that's a loss. I'm six and five. Tass is five and five, just like every other team in the NBA. And then we got Trey and Lee at four and seven. We've uh, done 11 games here, but I don't know. What's there on tonight, Tass? Right now is like eight games on, so what's our game? Well, the Toronto Raptors continue that West Coast trip. Uh, they're sitting don't at, do it. Yeah, they're sitting at two and seven. Coming off a of back-to-back playing the Golden State Warriors, then they got to fly to Portland, Zach Levine's next team. Uh, just kidding. He's not going there. Yeah, but <laughs> the Blazers, they're sitting at home. They're rested, so they're favored by five and a half points against the Toronto Raptors. It's a good size spread. Yeah. Raptors can still lose a game. It's not coin flip by any means. So Skeet, start us off. This one's tough. This one is tough because the Raptors, as we talked about, they're playing better. It, they mean, are. Which isn't saying a whole lot because they were absolutely garbage to start the season, but they are playing better. Uh, and the Blazers have not really impressed, but they're the rest of the team here. It's only five and a half, but do I pick against the Raps again? No, I'm going Toronto tonight. Give me the Toronto Raptors to cover, at the very least. Maybe even pull out the victory. Um, because the defense has come around a little bit. Um, so I, I, I think that could uh, keep it close, at the very least. I'll go Raps. Trey, what do you think? Such a tough question. Is it the last chance saloon or the last <laughs> chance taloon? Really makes you think, balloon. Yeah, I thought it was Tulum. Yeah, that's, that's why I was confused, because Cass said that. And I'm like, what did Lee say? Yeah, right. 
So oh. is this <laughs> is this the Raptors' last chance to loon tonight? I don't know. They shut down <laughs> Steph Curry. I don't necessarily know that the Blazers, if Damian Lillard is taken out of this game, have somebody else aside from CJ, obviously, who will get some buckets, but somebody that can really crush the Raptors inside, which seems to be a place where they are crushable. Give me the Raptors. I'm with you, Skeets. Yeah. Lee, what do you think? Uh, it's tough. It's tough. <laughs> that, that, that's, that line is right at the line where you're like, oh, is that enough? I think the Blazers win this game. And uh, I think this has got to be the last game for the Raptors road trip. It feels like they've been on the road forever. They're well, they're on the road forever. They don't yeah. have a home <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, now, they could be resilient and, and just give it all in their last game. Or they could let go of the rope a little bit after mm. two tough games. So I'll, I'll take the Blazers. Uh, well, who gives a shit? Why not? Yeah. That's nice. the spirit. <laughs> That's the spirit. <laughs> good, good attitude to have, Nick. Perfect. Uh, yeah, I wonder if uh, Nick Nurse gives a shit. I think he does. I think he starts Aaron Baines to play against Houston Nurkic after last night going small. Yeah. Probably. You gotta play Nurk. You can't play Nurk with OG and Obi at the five. So you go back to Aaron Baines. I, I like that for the sake of their, uh, just their legs. At least you have to play a center, get some more guys playing on back to back. But I, I agree with Trey. The, the, what Nick Nurse does is take away the team's best player. He does it every stinking night. That's his thing. So I think, yeah, I, I worry. Even though CJ McCollum's having a great year, do they have enough? I say no. I say the Raps keep it close at the very least. And I oh. think they're, they're, they're going to pull out a freaking dub here. It's there. It's there. It's coming. It's coming. Well, they got they got the one against the Kings there, which was uh, a blowout for the Raptors. But it's the Kings, so... Yeah. It's a little different. It's yeah. a little different. Okay, so three of us taking the Raptors to cover. Uh, Blazers are favored by five and a half. Got to win by six or more, and that's who Lee is taking. So good luck to everybody. Enjoy the games tonight. We'll be back tomorrow with Tass's early morning What You Need to Know. Then we'll have The Daily Show. I think we might have a little special guest in store for tomorrow's podcast. I'll just leave it at that. But email us your NBA questions to nodunksattheathletic.com for our beach step and pod later this week. Uh, check out those little mini recap pods in the No Dunks feed and on YouTube, What You Need to Know. Make sure you subscribe both to YouTube and to wherever you listen to No Dunks. Grab your No Dunks merch at nodunks.com. Subscribe to The Athletic already. You know, come on, theathletic.com slash no dunks fun longish monday show but they always are boys we will talk to you guys tomorrow clipper bros you heard it here first have a great time turn up love you guys awesome thanks for joining us and remember jd loves editing what you need to know he does such a good job on it you got to check the visuals it's it's that's a nice balance of being a little little quirky little off the wall but also in the know great job jd great job jd embrace the day people 